Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Danny Roth. And this is Song vs. Song. And I, I feel like we've been building to one of these for like the entire two weeks we've been doing the show. Three months? <laughs> I don't know. But it, Ten we haven't years? Doing, we haven't been doing this show very long. Several but, millennia? I mean, I don't know. But it is at long last. The one you've been waiting for. We're doing a Beatles versus Stones. I guess you know what. Um, let me let me ask you something genuinely. I mean, you you have an awareness of the of the the youth of America vaguely. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, in a way that I I feel lately that I've kind of lost. Yeah. Uh, I, well, well, I'm like three years younger than you. But go on. That's <laughs> all, what a huge difference. But yeah. here's what I'm saying. Uh, I'm technically Gen X. Mm-hmm. I feel that I am the last true generation to be brought on the concept that one of these bands is the greatest rock and roll band of all time and that they're like a sports team. Like it's like a New York mm-hmm. Yankees versus New York Mets situation. You're mm-hmm. only allowed to fucking like one of them <laughs> and not not just like, but you have to obsessively worship one of them. And I don't know that people that are maybe some millennials, but uh, Gen Z or whatever is the, the the following generation. I don't think that they've got that type of connection to these two bands at all. No, I I think it's a, I think they've moved on to a console versus PC, uh, you know, something else that matters. Like this is the Beatles versus Stones, like intensity. That's uh, that's in the past, along with Ford versus Chevy, Coke versus Pepsi. That's like a an identity thing that made sense at the time and has not really gathered. I mean, like. No, if you like the Beatles, you probably also like the Stones. If you like the Stones, you probably also like the that was. I mean, that was true back then too. But there was there's not like a the big sports fandom of Beatles versus Stones like it was for our parents' generation. I guess. I mean, like in my mind, it definitely was that way. Just in the sense that, like, I had my buddy who was the Stones and ACDC fan. That was uh-huh. that was his his beat, and I liked the Beatles and whoever else it was that I liked. <laughs> Uh, I don't have a, I don't know that there's a, an ACDC alternative. No, I guess not. You know, have, did I forget to say what songs we're doing? Oh, it's, uh, it's, yeah, let, I mean, it's let it be by the Beatles versus you can't always get what you want on by the stones. Yeah. So like, it's this let is, it be versus let it bleed. Yeah. Let it be from the album. Let it be. You can't always get you want from the album. Let it bleed. And I want to, I want to put this out here very quickly that we were sitting at a movie at one point and I said, uh, that. I thought that this should have been a very different episode. That mm-hmm. I thought it should have been uh, Paul McCartney's "Let It Be" versus John Lennon's "Imagine." That would uh, that would also have made sense. I mean, I wanted to do a Beatles episode because there's a Beatles movie coming out. Right, we're going to be doing. Uh, I'll say it now, and I'll say it again at the end of this podcast. But uh, the next of our Patreon exclusives will be about the uh, uh, Richard Cur- Curtis and uh, Danny Boyle and Danny Boyle uh, film uh, yesterday. Uh, that's the next one that we're going to be doing, and then who knows? After that, there's a there's a Bruce Springsteen movie, and then oh, yeah. also uh, Hedwig is getting a Blu-ray release, which I'm getting tomorrow, and I'm <laughs> very excited because I Hedwig is probably one of my favorite, if not my number one favorite musical of all time, and I know that you love it too. Yeah. So I suspect that eventually we'll do an episode about that also. But here's what I'll say: I do think, in hindsight, that it should have been Let It Be versus Imagine. But you know what? That gives me an opportunity to say. What? You can't always get with <laughs> So, uh, we wound up in this position uh, where instead we got these two um, songs. And what's really interesting about it is that Let It Be was released after the Beatles had broken up. And that album had been designed very specifically 
to be kind of a throwback. It's the most Rolling Stones album I think the Beatles ever released because it was by design supposed to be a lot looser and a lot more bluesy rock and roll than anything they had done because they hadn't been performing in a live space since like 1966. Yeah. And so for them, they want they wanted to do this documentary and the whole concept was that, it, we'll get into it more later, but the bottom line is that there was this idea of doing this loose bluesy thing, which... I makes let it be be to me the the most rock, uh, rock and roll most Rolling Stones esque album that they ever produced, mm-hmm. and uh, meanwhile the Rolling Stones were doing something that was very uh, Beatles esque. Well, at the same time, which is to say, they were on the verge of uh, disintegrating. <laughs> they they've been on the verge of disintegrating since like continuously since then but i would say so let it bleed the album that produced um you can't always get what you want so there's i think it's like three albums in a row or four albums in a row that people will say are like this is like the pinnacle of rock and roll the pinnacle Mm -hmm. of certainly the of the rolling stones it's uh it's a um beggar's banquet beggar's banquet and and this album let it bleed uh and then exile on main street and i think sticky fingers Fingers comes before it does it okay but the fact of the matter is that those three or four albums are considered by many to be oh yeah like the peak peak stones but you know what i'm gonna put it out there if you had said to me here's two bands one of them is about to break up and I listened to Let It Be, and I listened to Let It Bleed. Mm-hmm. I would think the band that had produced Let It Bleed was the one that was at the end of their rope. Yes, because it's a very violent and unhappy album, Let It Bleed. It is, and I have to tell you, I mean, for all of the ways in which people talk about how great that album is, mm-hmm. I actually think what's interesting about it is that um, other than the opener and the closer, I don't think it's that strong of an album. Honky Tonk Woman is not actually on this record. Oh, yeah, there's, they have a weird there's country, a country version, version of, of Honky it, Tonk Women. Yeah, but Honky Tonk Women um, is a single that happened to come out at the same time mm-hmm. uh, or roughly the same time. And not, not really one of my favorite Stone songs either. So. But it's a very popular song. Let's yeah. put it that way. But the country version of it is not <laughs> that popular. So it's interesting, and we'll talk about. I suppose the the album is in full, but uh, it's it's kind of fascinating to look at the two of them. Because they were both bands in disintegration, um, the Beatles much more notably. Because you know, it's funny. Did you ever see? There's a quote from John Lennon, which I don't have in front of me, but he thinks it's ridiculous that there was ever any concept of Beatles versus Stones. He <laughs> thinks that the Stones were never ever fucking competition f- for the Beatles ever, not even close. And I have to say, in in terms of raw popularity at the time, he's correct in the sense that the Rolling Stones were still able to perform live while still being able to hear themselves fucking think. <laughs> uh, which the Beatles absolutely couldn't. Well, you, oh, you mean because all the screaming girls? Yeah. Well, the thing is that one of them had Brian Epstein and, and an entire fleet of people marketing them as, you know, uh, the Beatles are, to the 1960s, what the Disney Marvel movies are today. Uh, I just think that they're promoted in a way that they're like now there's a million people who do promotion is Mick Jagger DC. I I mean, I don't know what to I don't know how to draw the comparison, but I would say that what we consider to be normal now. Right. The way that that people create the concept of brand. 
I don't think anybody had done before the Beatles uh, at all. And I don't think anybody else had done it as successfully in the 60s and then subsequently for many decades later. It's it's bizarre, and we'll talk about that too, uh, just how wild it is, the popularity of the Beatles and the way in which they were so insulated and the way that we view them and things that they say and things that they do uh, in a way that we don't any other human being on Earth, or no, at least are, that we are, didn't at the time. No, there are no Beatles. There haven't, weren't Beatles before the Beatles. There weren't Beatles after the Beatles. There's just the Beatles, and I get that. Uh, you know, the Stones, uh, If they, it feels like more like a Stones-Beatles thing would happen in hindsight because the, the, the Stones went on and make continuously good music for another decade or so. They did. Uh, so, all right, so this is... This is an interesting case because uh-huh. when we did the last episode, I said that I was going to take. You, you can't can, always get what you yeah, want. Yeah, you're the Beatles guy, but you were like, actually, that's like one of my least favorite, and you were like, I think I got to take the Stones. So I went back and listened to um, everything multiple times in multiple versions, and uh, we've kind of run into a weird situation. <laughs> yeah. Wherein I started to think that maybe I wanted to take Let It Be instead, and you started to think that maybe you want to take You Can't Always <laughs> Get What You Want instead. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I picked these two songs because, uh, you know, of, of the two songs, they're the ones that seem the most comparable to me because they're both, they're both basically hymns. They're both very uplifting, almost religious-sounding songs. Well, one is one is still about drugs, ultimately. That's the Stones one. <laughs> well, it's a very Stonesy hymn. But. It is. It is. They're very stoned. Uh, yeah. But yeah, do you want to? Do you want to switch? I think I do actually. Okay. The more I the more I listened to it, the more I thought about it. Is like I think I and and I picked "Let It Be." be I took wanted to take the "Let It Be" side because that is my favorite Beatles song of all the Beatles songs. And you, and you know what? Here's the thing. I had said that I didn't like Let It Be that much, but <laughs> the more I listen to it, so all right, I'm going to, so the reason why I am rough on Let It Be is very specific, uh, and it belies the fact that I am a little bit older because I've got this knowledge at the ready, and, uh, you know, and I always think about, like, you know, when I was a kid, the Beatles felt like oldies, but... Uh, now as an adult, what I realize is that, uh, I was born in 1980 to wrap myself out. Um, the Beatles broke up 10 years before I was born. That's it. That's fucking it. It's not that long. Right. Um, so they're not really oldies in relative terms to my life. They don't, you know, now I realize that they're not actually that far away. So I have all of this knowledge in my mind because I grew up really loving those bands. My father, uh, introduced me to all the really early stuff. And then when I was a little bit older, he came back around and he was like, we should listen to some Beatles stuff. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. That's for kids. And then he played me happiness is a warm gun and it blew my fucking <laughs> mind. I don't, I don't understand how that's the same goddamn band. But uh, as a result of sort of discovering them twice over and then just having fallen in love with them so completely, I know that Let It Be happens to have been recorded well, not recorded, but it happens to have been written on the same day as The Long and Winding Road, which I think is the worst Beatles song of the all time. Worst. It, I hate it more than any other Beatles song ever. I'm, okay, so you're not you're not going to stand up here and tell me that like Piggies is better than Long and no, Winding no, no, Road. No, no, no. It's not, you know, I mean, like, to say something is the worst uh, yeah. objectively is not a thing that I'm capable of doing. Maybe there's a robot brain out there that can do it. And we've seen people have come through and said, like, why don't you hate this song or this song more? And the answer is, um, 
I think, what was the, what's the song that's like, um, catching up with another man, that's the, the end. end. Uh, little, little girl, girl bow, that's bow, run, bow, run for your bow. life. So Run for Your Life, somebody said that, that sh- that's the worst Beatles song. And I know the reason that people feel that way is because. Oh yeah, because it's creepy and gross. But let me tell you something. I'm not defending that song, yeah. but gosh, folks, if you think that's the only white British song yeah. by a guy about being very jealous uh, and being shitty to your lady, you are living in a fantasy. I mean, I, well, it's a funny thing. A, a lot of uh, the Rolling Stones' is, uh, best music is is much worse than that. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, like, I'm not trying to defend that song. Yeah. It's certainly not very good, but The Long and Winding Road always bothered me because it was... I don't like precious music. I don't like stuff that feels like the precious moments, angels on the shelf. Do you know what I mean? And to me, Long and Winding Road is the most that. And Let It Be has got, it's like, what if the Long and Winding Road wasn't that fucking awful? Mm-hmm. Um, but they they do feel like they're, they. So it feels good, like they were written at the same time. So you, what you're telling me is like, Let It Be just sounds like a better version of something that was kind of shit. Yeah. Like, like it's it's the what if you did it right and what's very interesting yeah. about let it be as a song is that uh, and there are a lot of layers to sort of unpack about this but when let it be came out the album the first time um, John Lennon was pissed off like I don't think he hated let it be as far as its composition was concerned but because it's about a uh, mother Mary. Um, even though, according to Paul McCartney, he's referring mother, to his mother, his actual dead mother. Not- from the from the outset, it's really hard not to sort of listen to that and think of uh, Mother Mary and the in the, well, the yeah in the Jesus sense. <laughs> uh, you know, sorry, not not, know, to, not, had- not not to offend any Christians out there, but you know, like yeah. John Lennon didn't like it. I personally don't. You know, you know, I grew up in America, and America hasn't really benefited by Christianities. But uh, what I will say is this. When Let It Be came out, John Lennon made an agreement. He had like a big fucking stink about it, which is that he wanted the song Maggie Mae, which is about a prostitute, to be the song that immediately followed Let It Be to undercut any potential religious undertones or overtones that the song might have, um, which I think is pretty interesting. Yeah, Let It Be is a song uh, we have to talk about in multiple layers because there's the version that made it out on Let It Be, the original record, and then there's the one that came out in 2013, which is Let It Be Naked, which is uh, Paul McCartney going back and saying, I really don't like Phil Spector's Wall of Sound as it applies to this record, because the whole point of Let It Be was that we wanted to do this looser, jazzier, rock and roll live record, and I want the songs, at least that I did, to reflect that. I, do we have to talk about that? Like that's. A, I mean, look. Here's the thing: if we're swapping, and I'm taking yeah. <laughs> Let It Be, then yes, we do. You know, that's a you know the, the George Lucas's special edition. Let It Be. Like I don't. <laughs> well, I mean, I have mixed feelings about it. We can talk about that. But um, all right, boy, gosh, I have talked a lot about sort of the backstory of the Beatles on this. But do you want to talk about Let It Bleed? And you can't always get what you, know, you want. You know, that's a funny thing. Uh, you. We're talking about these uh, similarly named uh, albums. Yeah. And, you know, if if, if you're going to talk about, like, uh, the, the Beatles, they are, like, they invented album rock. They, you know, they are the uh, people who made the album the, the format of rock and roll rather than the single. And uh, Let It Be is widely considered their worst, like, their weakest. They're, like, the most ramshackle and not even really album of their albums, even before they, you know, started getting all, all artsy. 
Meanwhile, the Rolling Stones, who are quite frankly never been a very good album band, except for like the that four album period we're talking about, this is widely considered one of their best albums. I think it's so interesting that people still feel that way. I really don't think that Let It Bleed is a good album. You know, it starts with Gimme Shelter. It ends with You Can't Always Get What You Want. It's I'm, got Let It Bleed in the middle. I feel like that does a lot. Um, but here's but, the thing. But, 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 let it be as an album. Mm-hmm. I really feel a very strong attachment to a lot of the songs on that record. I think yeah. that there's a lot of... But um, is it an album is what you're going to say, right? Uh, I, I mean, to, to a degree, but here's the thing. So the goal was to do, uh, however Phil Spector may have produced in the end. Uh, and by the way, it's very interesting. In a way, I kind of wish that we were doing this later because um, Guillermo del Toro is going to go back. There's so much. So they produce a documentary, right? There's a documentary that came out, um, which had always been the plan that there was going to be this uh, film that showed them filming in the album. And filming then, Let It Be, to be clear. Yeah. Yeah, filming Let It Be and, you know, and doing this thing up on the roof. Uh, and it was supposed to be, I think, originally a lot of roof stuff, a lot more than what it wound up being. And they filmed a lot of shit. And Guillermo del Toro in 2020 is going to, supposedly is going to be releasing this new documentary that shows you the, the truth of Let It Be because they filmed so much, there's more to sort of sit and play with. But... I think what's really interesting about that album is that despite their intentions, I do think that actually some of that stuff turned out pretty well. There's a lot of stuff on that album that I really like, and it's not just Let It Be as a song. I like Get Back. I like Don't Let Me Down. I like One After 909. I like Two of Us. I don't hate Dig a Pony. Uh, I mean, mine is kind of fun. Like, does it have the unifying quality of some of their other albums? No. And certainly the fact that Let It Be, which was recorded prior to Abbey Road, but released afterwards, can't come close. I mean, Abbey Road is mostly Paul, but what's interesting about Abbey Road as an album is even though the unifying stuff is mostly McCartney, the songs that are John and George are Very also... Good, yeah unbelievable i mean come together is a legendary song you know, though, even though that most even though the, that album is largely paul like george is always considered the highlight of that album because of here comes the sun and uh yeah, and, and something yeah and something but like because you know and great, something yes and something <laughs> but because is amazing and and come together is amazing and uh i think that the the stuff that, like it's interesting because you know you get to these songs that all kind of bleed together but um Boy, I can't believe I'm talking about Abbey Road. When that's not the <laughs> you got a lot to say about the Beatles, man. I listen, about the biggest band of all time. Who, who knew? Well, the yeah. thing is that, but again, I actually don't know that a lot of people that are listening to the podcast necessarily yeah. have the grew up with the the pushed on adoration to know yeah. these many details. Well, you know, they're they're making that new movie. I feel like that is a serious brand extension. Like that it's, is like, but it's to revive that kind of. Remind, reminder that the Beatles are the biggest band in history. I bet you that that movie is not going to do well, even if it's good. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, that's my gut on it, yeah. we'll, which we'll find out in the coming weeks. But yeah, I mean, if you look at it, uh, stuff that was John's too, like uh, Me and Mr. Bustard and Polythene Pam um, are not great songs on their own, but like those two songs operate in uh, in concert with uh, the song that precedes it, which is um, The Sun King. And the song after it, which is easily one of the greatest Beatles songs of all time, um, she came in through the bathroom window. That's right. <laughs> okay. I said it. That's an amazing fucking song. 
well, you know, that's Abbey Road. What? The point is that while that album was very unified, I do actually, going back, listening to Let It Be, I think that the individual songs are still bombastic, still very rocks, and still very loose, even with all of the influence that Phil Spector had after the fact. And I like that, you know? I mean, like, there's a reason why people consider this Beatles playing on the top of the roof of um, Apple Studios or whatever. It's a reason, there's a reason why people look back on it. It's a reason why um, the, Be- the, the, the Simpsons made an episode where they had the B sharps and Former, yes. and and they're playing on the top of yeah, Moe's. Every, everyone's tried to do the, the and, rooftop thing. And yeah. George Harrison walks, it, it drives yeah. by and goes, "It's been done," and it's great. I mean, it's just an incredible moment. And I think that "Let It Be" is a song, um, whether it's the Phil Spector version or um, Paul McCartney's later reproduction of it, uh, is the culmination of all that stuff. Like as hymnal as it is. There's something very raw and very beautiful about it. Like I said, Let It Be is certainly my favorite Beatles song. I don't think there's a, there's another one that's even close. It's a very powerful song to me. But it, well, here's my thoughts about You Can't Always Get What You Want. Like, both these songs were written in 1969, which, as is my understanding, was a pretty rough period for, uh, you know, the world, especially in our part of the world where, you know, we're having riots and protests and many people dying and stuff. And when you listen to You Can't Always Get What You Want, you can hear every single drop of it. And, you know, I like I said, Let It Bleed, the album is considered so good because it starts with Gimme Shelter, which is a very violent song. And it ends with uh, ends with You Can't Always Get What You Want, which is like a more peaceful, uplifting song where you can hear every drop of violence in the world in it. And you know what? It, it's, it feels like letting it be does not seem like a adequate response to the times they were in it doesn't and i would say this actually when uh when i was trying to find arguments to argue in favor of the rolling stones um my number one argument was that as a message Mm -hmm. let it be is bullshit (laughs) it's a very passive song isn't it and i'll say in uh whether you want to talk about in terms of the time which is (laughs) i mean i I, I think the the vietnam era you know like the most uh, turmoilistic that's not a term but like there was turbulent. a huge yes the most turbulent thanks for a word that yeah. actually is a real word but let it be you know the the joke from that movie yesterday is that the song is called leave it be it's funny because yeah I mean that's what he's saying he's like sometimes you just have to kind of let things go right it's let it go yeah let it go <laughs> let it go versus let it be um, <laughs> gosh um, but the thing is in 2019 people don't want to let anything be at all yeah um but they do often accept that sometimes you can't always always get what you want Yeah, that's a very very powerful message like how to deal with disappointment and it's a very uh almost profound thing from you know as much as i enjoy the stones music profundity is not really what i've really gotten from them in my life but you can't always get what you want it's a very simple statement it it hits you and they and they really really go all out in making it as powerful as they can possibly make it. And, you know, you were talking about how Let It Be the album is kind of the Beatles trying to be the Stones. Uh, You Can't Always Get You Want is kind of the Stones being the Beatles. Absolutely. And in fact, I saw a lot of uh, comparisons in the comments and in critics at the time saying, well, it's like, well, this is just the Stones trying to write Hey Jude. 
not let it be. I mean, but although, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you I don't, this: I if, don't buy if, that if, we, if, if we were going to do "Hey Jude" versus a Stone song, I think I would probably pick "Sympathy for the Devil." <laughs> wow, those are entirely different songs. But they both um, have that really long repetition at the end. Yeah, yes, that's what I'm saying. They are such. Vastly different songs in a way, but I do think what's most fascinating about them is that um, it's those bands being influenced by each other that I think that, although like Let It Be itself is a song, it's not, but the album as a whole, like I said, I think unquestionably Let It Be is the most Rolling Stones album that the Beatles ever produced, period. I don't think there's a single other thing you can look back on. Because they really, it's they go right from um, boy band to psychedelic trip. Yeah, it was it was a pretty sudden thing. Like all they they went overnight versus the Stones, who have all always kind of been the Stones, and no matter. I mean, so I would say this: I think that they do kind of go back towards Muddy Waters and that type of stuff, starting mm-hmm. with Beggar's Banquet. I, I love the all the Beatles stuff. I don't really feel like they are as personality driven as Jagger is Jagger's personality drives all the stone songs but that's so interesting it's so interesting that you would say that Mm. because the thing is Mick Jagger at the time well I mean I guess he was becoming the face of the stones but he wasn't that's the thing that's so interesting about all of this right It's, it's one of the things that sort of separates the stones from the Beatles in a way that people often cast aside or just don't know which is that, you know, you look at the Beatles and three out of the four of them are such a huge part of the um, identity of the group. Whereas the Stones, um, the identifier of the group was the guy who was starting to fade out during this part of the career, right? Like once you get to Beggar's Banquet and Let It Bleed, the guy who was creator of the band, the guy who was such a huge part of their identity as being bad boys and, and drug addicts and like riding motorcycles and kicking ass. Brian Jones is on his way out the door and not just from the pan, but from <laughs> fucking life. life. Yes. From this mortal existence. Yeah. And that's a big thing too, right? Like he's, I almost think about like, what was the name of the guy from the Jim Blossoms that like wrote all the Doug songs? Hopkins. His, name? his name is Doug Hopkins and he, was kicked he out of the band. He wrote everything. He wrote everything, everything, and then he was kicked out of the band, and then they got big. But, yeah, and then he wrote, like, one last song for them, which was the song from Empire Records, and then he died. Yeah. So, but but I think of Brian Jones in kind of a similar way. He was he was the core of that group for a very long time. You know, like, when people think about the Stones now, they think of two guys. You know, they're thinking about Mick Jagger, and they're thinking about... Uh, by Keith Richards. Yeah. They're thinking they're, about they, those yeah, two zombies. They're not. They're not thinking about Ron Wood or uh, Bill Wyman or no or Charlie. Mick Taylor or any of yeah. those guys. Like they're not thinking about those folks. But prior to that, Brian Jones was the beating heart of the Rolling Stones, and he hadn't started to fade out from that until Beggar's Banquet, and he wasn't completely out until Let It Bleed. And that's actually the reason why I think if you go back and really honestly authentically listen to that album it's not all that great because keith richards was picking up so much fucking slack because brian jones was the other guitarist and he was doing a lot of heavy lifting prior to that and he just he just got 
I mean, look, he he was an addict, and and I'm like, I'm not trying to paint him as a villain or anything. Like, he was just a person that had a problem that he couldn't get out from under. And I think it's interesting to look at that time because, again, if I look at those two albums objectively, I think at this point, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm a middle aged man, and it doesn't matter to me anymore about who's the best. I just listen to these albums and enjoy them or don't. But if I listen to Let It Bleed and listen to Let It Be back to back, if you said to me, knowing nothing else other than the music, which one of these bands broke up because one of them did, I would absolutely think it was Let It Bleed because it just doesn't feel cohesive at all. It just has a great start and a great finish. And like, yeah, Let It Bleed, the song is fine. But I don't think that the rest of the record is that exceptional. And if I dig into it a little bit, it's like, Brian Jones, the beating heart of the band, got fired and then died right after that. Yeah, I'd be pretty fucking sure that the Rolling Stones broke up after that. Yeah. It's a wonder that they're the ones that are still alive in 2019. Well, you know, it's a funny thing. Like, the Let It Be album was originally going to be titled Get Back because it was right. getting them back to Because they were trying to get back to where they once belonged. But what, you know, what? since they broke up, that didn't really feel like a fitting epitaph for the band. So Let It Be, you know, Let It Be is a song you know, it doesn't really quite fit in with the times the way that uh, the you can't always get what you want does. But it does fit as like the ending of the Beatles, who are also of the times. They define the times more than anything else ever will. So Let It Be is like a fitting epitaph for the band. And You Can't Always Get What You Want would also have been a great epitaph for the band had they broken up like you suggested. Who do you think, honestly, um, divorced to the fact that one band stopped and mm-hmm. also has had a number of people die, Mm-hmm. Um, which would make it impossible for them to ever reunite. Which one, the Beatles or the Stones, in your mind, is the most timeless? Well, see, that's a funny thing. The Beatles, I guess, are timeless as considered by the fact that there's a movie coming out that suggests that all their hits would become hits again right now in 2019 if they were released fresh. A little movie called Yesterday. Check yeah. it out. <laughs> I mean, we have no idea yeah. if those, that that movie's good or not yet. But, but you know, and I feel like what they're trying to sell me in that movie is like that all the songs are timeless. Like I don't, I don't think I want to hold your hand wouldn't fly in 2019. Like, Oh that. yeah. I'll tell you something. I think you'll understand. <laughs> uh, I was talking to my wife the other day about this song versus song that we were going to record. And, uh, and one of the things that she said was that it's weird because the question becomes what else was happening musically. Uh- comparatively to these two bands, because I don't know that they're terribly representative of the rest of music. And I say that knowing that um, Paul McCartney, especially had a tendency to write so many songs that he would give them the fuck away. He had a um, Peter and Gordon. um, One of those two guys, sisters was a guy that Paul dated for many years. And so he gave a bunch of songs to Peter and Gordon. And like he, he would actually to the point that he would give songs away and ask them to put a false name on who had written the song to see if it would be successful. That's the kind of volume of music that they were producing. And that's the kind of success that they had. I just don't think if you look at those two bands that they typify like, there were a lot of pretenders to the throne, but like, were Herman's Hermits? Were the Zombies? Was anybody else doing they anything? Do, they don't. They're they're kind of too big to uh, really typify their era. They're like bigger than their era. The both of them. It's a funny thing about the Beatles. 
I don't find their songs uh, very coverable. Like, and certainly everyone and their mom has tried to cover all their songs, every single one of them. But, you know, you go on like American Idol, they'll have like Beatles night and they always kind of sound awkward because they're not like, they're kind of like immaculate. They're, they are what they are and you can't really touch them. And the big exception to me is Let It Be. Let It Be. There are begs, a lot of. Let It Be begs to be covered. I mean, I was just looking. It was like, let me see who's covered Let It Be. And I was like, there are tons. I, you know, Let It Be by the Beatles isn't even the first version of Let It Be. Yep. Maritha Franklin put it out first. Yeah. She, she found the demos. And while they were sitting on it making the album, she rushed out a version of her own. And it's really good. It is fucking great. And the, I was looking at it, it as like I found a version by The Temptations, by Billy Preston, by Ike and Tina Turner. Uh, well, you would hope Billy Preston would get around to it. Yeah. Considering he is one of the many Fifth Beatles. Yes. Joan Baez had a hit like the year after it came out. It was like a, a charting hit. Versus You Can't Always Get What You Want. That is like, I feel like that belongs to the Stones. Like if you are not the Stones, you probably shouldn't do it. But also it's a lot more ornate than Let It Be is. There's a lot of stuff going on in there. And I feel like if you remove any bit of it, you lose something. It's got to have like the choir at the beginning, the, the London Boys Choir. And then it's got to start with the guitar. Then it has the French horn. And then uh, Mick comes in. I saw her today. Like if you remove any drop of that, you don't have as good a song. And I was looking for covers. There's not a lot. There's a couple jam bands out there who did a version live. You can find it like by Russet Root and Widespread Panic and Fish. And I found one by Def Leppard, which is absolutely terrible. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to piss on Def Leppard today. But um... oh, yeah, I... I did not get what I wanted from that. Like, Here's what I'll say. My big criticism about you can't always get what you want is that it is it just reaches a point of monotony. It goes on for about two minutes longer than it needs to. Let it be manages to thread that needle in a way that it probably shouldn't be able to. And I think that's true of Hey Jude also. But you can't always get what you want. It gets repetitious to the point that I just feel like if they had cut out a lot sooner, I would like it more. That's my big criticism of that, that song. That's that's my big criticism of Hey Jude. Yeah, I like. I mean, these are not new criticisms. You yes, I was going to say in, that's in 2019, common, people have said this before. Yeah, but. it's a it's a pretty common Gen X uh, thing when when the Gen Xers got tired of the baby boomer stuff. That that was one of the big ones. I think yeah. their music is. Too pretentious and too long. Well, who who but, knows? Gen Z yeah. listening to this. They don't know these facts. Yeah, you know? well, maybe they're about to be reintroduced to it by the big new hits, hit movie yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> um, all right. I have a question for you, which right. is um, I assumed that when we decided that we were going to do these two songs. That we they decided? Would be yeah. <laughs> I assumed that many people would speak their words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be curious to hear what it is that people had to say when choosing between these two songs. Well, you know, let's, let's see what we got here. You know, it's a funny thing. I got a couple, uh, like more than a few was like, these are like my two least favorite Beatles and Stones songs. That's fascinating. I got, and I got a bunch of her like, wow, the best Beatles songs versus the worst Stone song or vice versa. I guess I'm not surprised by it in the sense that again, these are the bands that people have a tendency to have the strongest opinions about one way or the other. Right. So that's not surprising in the least to me. I'm still surprised that Let It Be is your favorite Beatles song. 
Is it really your number one? Yes, easily. And it's very comforting to me. And also it's it's fun to play on the piano. Oh, that's completely fair. I mean, You Can't Always Get What You Want is also fun to play on the piano, but it's a little more complicated. Yeah, but, my, my favorite Beatles song is uh, Happiness is a Warm Gun. But that's, that's I, I that's guess. An, that's an oddball choice. I like, Look, I and there's a reason for it, which is that I told you when I was a kid, um, my dad only played me the classic stuff, the, the the teeny bopper boy band stuff. Right. So I thought that was what the Beatles were. So did I. For a really long time. And then one day when I was in high school, my dad was like, let's listen to the Beatles. And I was like, the fucking, like, I want to hold your hand band? Come on, man. And he said, and he said, I'm going to play you this thing called a white album. And I truly, I mean, like, please understand that in 1994, there was no Spotify. There was no Napster. None of that stuff existed yet. So there was no immediate way to understand um, what bands were like unless you were completely steeped in you the culture. You had to be really plugged in. So I truly, um, as it happened, my dad had only played me, well, she was just 17. <laughs> you know, like that was it. That was the kind of stuff that I knew from the Beatles. So when he sat down and said, I'm going to play you another album. The song that he played for me was Happiness is a Warm Gun. And it fucking blew my mind in a way that I don't think any song ever has before or since. So while I think that Let It Be is great, and I think that Happiness is a Warm Gun may be a weird choice, I will say that it is a song that reintroduced me to that band and made me know that they had done a lot more. Anyway, what else did people say? All right, well, here's an interesting one from Adam Dukovich, and I kind of can't believe we didn't get to this in the the show proper. Uh, He says... You can't always get what you want. Loses points for being in the big chill for me. (laughs) Can I say this? You know, when the baby boomers talk about how great their music was, I tend to agree with them. But like the big chill makes me despise the 60s and everyone who was in it. Oh, I want to finish his comment. He's like, I therefore associate it with rich yuppie boomers mawkishly reliving their own mythology after selling out. Like, oh, man, there's nothing. uh... The big chill, like absolutely ruins a lot of great 60s music for me it does i think i often live in the dread fear of uh of becoming a um whatever is the modern day version of a yuppie thank goodness my life has fallen into ruin and i will (laughs) never be rich um otherwise i would have to worry about that now i don't no like no the the gen xers have not mythologized the way the baby boomers have so there's not going to be a a 40 year old gen xers reliving uh Although smells like teen spirit is getting to the point where it's <laughs> <laughs> it's getting to the point of stodginess that, you know, stuff that was like really edgy and dangerous at the time now feels like total over mythologized crap. I still love smells like teen spirit and I still love let it be and I still love you can't always get what you want. Big chill be damned. What else have you got? Okay. Let it be gets my vote, but I might be a little biased because my mom used to sing You Can't Always Get What You Want's chorus to me and my sister anytime she said no to something. Uh, (laughs) Oh, man. When I was working in the finance industry, I had a guy that I kept trying to not work for, Uh and um, departments kept getting combined, and he would end up being my boss again and again. And every time it happened, he would pull me into his office, and he would go, under my thumb. Oh, that's the worst. So, that's the worst. That song was ruined for me. Uh, and I don't want to be a dick, but whenever he had a heart attack, I was uh, happy. Okay. Actually, you can't sing that and not expect people to resent you to that degree. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a that's a brutal one. You know, while we're talking about the ways these songs have been ruined, I, I, I wanted to uh, mention 
you know, because I was looking up covers of this, there was like a, a big charity version that in the UK of Let It Be. And I think there have been several charity versions of Let It Be, but this one was pretty brutal. Something called Fairy Aid because there was like a fairy disaster. And it's full of UK pop stars I've never heard of. There's, you know, Boy George and Bananarama and a couple and a billion others I've never heard of. It's from Stock Ape and Waterman, who also did like Never Never Gonna Give You Up and stuff like that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so it's like super pumped up and like, and the solo, Gary Moore from Thin Lizzy just comes up and shreds like, oh, boy, give it a rest. And then, and then once he's finished, Mark Knopfler does his own solo. Oh, I mean, there, I, love, I have a, loved Mark Knopfler, but like, yeah, it's a, it's, I'm it's, not sure about that. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty brutal. Although there is one great moment where just for like the final verse, Kate Bush does it. And it, what? And just for like that one brief moment, it is so good. And then, it's like the entire cast of hundreds going, let it be, let it be. Wow. That's it amazing. Is. We'll have to, I'll have to go back and listen to it. Um, I don't, when there's, when, when, yeah, it's weird not having Paul McCartney there to do it. And also, oh, like, he, he, he was also there to do it. Oh, was he there? Yeah. One of like, he did the first verse, Kate Bush was the last verse. And then a bunch of no ones oh, in the between. Weird. No, we were going to, I'm going to show you this afterwards. Cause okay. it's really, oh. uh, that's amazing. The thing is like, I hear that and all I can, like you saying Kate Bush singing, let it be made me think about that time that, uh, analytic sang under pressure with David oh, Bowie, which yeah. is literally the greatest cover of any song ever performed period because it's so emotional that I actually thought that the world would fucking die and be resurrected in that fucking performance. It was so good, but that let it be thing sounds <laughs> terrible, but like a necessary evil that you have to experience kind of yes. terrible. All right. This comment, I just want to, you know, I think this sums it up as per my gym yesterday, let it be is restorative yoga music and you can't always get what you want is spin class. <laughs> <laughs> Well, spin class is a fucking cult, so, you know. I can't really imagine doing, like, spin to it. Like, you'd have, like, maybe if you cut right to the end. But, like, it's, it's, a, it's a... All right, I, I want to know. Oh, you have one more? Give one more, and then I I don't wanna, know, there, I there are two, like, actual comments. I, all, I right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Fine, well, one comments. Of, yeah. <laughs> one of, there, there are two competing comments. Is that one says, let it be seems to represent the more passive side of the 60s which goes against the more radical ideas of change. Whereas you can't always get what you want is like a much more realistic attitude to have. And that's what kind of what I was saying. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a, like a more groundedness to it. I mean, Mick Jagger did pretty openly say that, uh, yes, the intention, at least in hindsight was that there was supposed to be a response to the Vietnam war, even though he was only in America for part of it. They mentioned things like drugs and death and sure. Demonstrations and all that. On the other hand, someone else says, let it be all the way. And more so considering current events, if you don't let some things be in the year of our Lord 2019, you'll just go absolutely insane. Oh, I don't. <laughs> let it be. Let it be, Dan. I have had no other choice. <laughs> oh God, yes, we uh, we live in absolutely we we live in absolutely crazy times. That's a fact. Yeah. All right, so now we've reached the point we've talked for 45 goddamn minutes about this. I want to know. I've flip flopped on this so many times that he doesn't. I'm curious to hear how the vote turns out, but I'm not sad either way. All right. What is the vote? All right. With a with a total of 245 votes to 154 votes, 61% to 39%. Let it be in a landslide. Wow. 
Yeah, I was surprised too. And speaking as someone who thinks that these are both 10 out of 10s, I wasn't expecting it to be that lopsided. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to say this. Um, I actually went to uh, record something earlier today, and one of the, the guys who is one of, my, uh, one of my film crew guys, I asked him, you know, how do you think this thing is going to turn out? Because we're going to record the podcast today. And he said, that's got to be 50-50, right? Like, yeah. that's going to wind up as a 50-50 song. I am, I don't want to say aghast, but I am shocked. Maybe John was right. Maybe there isn't a competition. I do think that that should be a 50-50 type of, type of deal, personally. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the I really fans feel like disagree. Be I mean, there you go. And that's the beauty of the democracy <laughs> that is song versus song. Um, uh, but I'm glad I switched at the last minute. It means <laughs> that I continue to win almost every goddamn week. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't, I mean, either, it could have gone either way, but I'm glad that I switched because I'm, I'm I'm a sore winner, and now everybody gets to witness again for another week. What a sore winner I am. Um, all right, so if you listen to the podcast and you want to support because you like us or because you want to hear more episodes, if you do support the podcast on Patreon, the great news is that you get uh, an episode that's extra every month. And the reason that we did Beatles versus Stones is because we are going to, as we've mentioned many times, yes. be doing uh, an episode about yesterday, which is a Danny Boyle and Richard Curtis uh, co-joint mm-hmm. about uh, you know this guy waking up in a world where only he knows that the Beatles ever existed. And so he takes credit basically for all their songs. And that is going to be the next episode that we'll do, which will be a Patreon exclusive. So if you're really interested in that stuff, um, we've done. we're going to be doing that. And we did, uh, what were the previous two episodes? Uh, was it David Bowie and Elton John? No, it was Elton John, and it was the uh, uh, Ugly Rocket Dolls. Man. Ugly Dolls. Ugly Dolls and Rocket Man. Yep. Those are the two. So that's going to be number three. And I can tell you uh, that in the future there is a another movie about a young, I, I think he's a Pakistani kid. In, in England in the 80s. Right, who falls in love with Bruce Springsteen. We're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you absolutely, absolutely, it doesn't matter what Todd thinks, we are going to do an episode about Hedwig and the Angry Inch since, okay. I'm, since I'm getting that that Blu-ray. Uh, I think sitting down and, and watching the documentary that's on there and everything else, as as somebody that considers that to be uh, the, one of the most seminal musicals and one of the seminal works of fiction of my life, and uh, knowing that at the very least Todd likes it, <laughs> uh, I think we will absolutely do that episode. So hopefully that will entice you to... Uh, to to join in on the Patreon, but Todd, for the for the for the people that are listening for free, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. What is that next episode going to be? Oh, we're doing one of yours, one of the ones you wanted to do. Oh shit! Yep. Uh, uh, this is like one of my yeah. great regrets. So Spe- it's, speaking of grunge, it's a it's a <laughs> all right. Is it the one I think it is? Is it the one you're thinking of? You say grunge. Yes. Okay, I'm going to say it out loud. Okay. The next episode is Jeremy by Pearl Jam mm-hmm. versus Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. That's going to be a rough one. A tough one, I mean. Not, it's not rough. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. I think that that's going to be... I, I have a sneaking suspicion what's going to win. However, uh, I think it's going to generate a great conversation. Um, not to be too genuine about anything in this life, but... I know what I picked on this, and it is Black Hole Sun, right? That yep. was our plan, and you yep. were going to take Jeremy. Yep. Uh, oh, where, oh, where can my baby be? Oh, no, no. The worst the worst Pearl Jam cover of all time. 
anyway, so if you're not a Patreon member, uh, the remember that uh, we do the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. So the next second Wednesday coming up will be that episode. And if you are a Patreon member, I think um, probably sometime next week, you're going to hear about what we think about yesterday. Yep. So, so catch us there. Yeah. Catch us on Patreon. Catch us on wherever you're listening to this. See you oh, later. And uh, and follow uh, uh, Todd Nathanson at Shadow, Shadow Todd, Todd and follow me at Danny Ordinary. That is Danny with one N. Ordinary also with one N. This has been Song versus Song. Thank you for listening. Good night. Mm-hmm.